0: This uh, session is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. Our speaker for today is, uh, is today, for today is Gaylene Rogers-Lonergan. So she will be handling our session for today and I can guarantee that you will learn a lot from her today. So I give the floor now to Gayleen. So Gayleen.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate that introduction. Yeah. My name is Gaylene Rogers Lonergan. I have, I hate to admit it, but yes, I have been practicing law for 36 years here in Dallas uh, and covering all of the state of Texas. Uh, I started my own firm, the Lonergan Law Firm, in uh, 2000. So we're in our 20th year now. And about three years into it, I met a couple of real estate investors, and they soon learned that I knew how to do certain things that maybe conventional title companies didn't know. And so they started closing their deals with me. They referred other investors, and primarily through uh, referrals and networking, I now do about seventy-five percent of my business with either investors or investor, serve people who service investors like um, hard money lenders and agents and whatnot. I am a Texas native. I was well. I was born in Littlefield, Texas, but I grew up. Along with Waylon Jennings, he and I were born in the same hospital, actually, at different times. But uh, I grew up in a little town called Sudan, Texas, a town of 900. Went to, of course, Texas Tech, which was 50 miles away. Undergrad, got a Master of Business, and then finally graduated uh, from Texas Tech Law School. I, like I said, I'm the owner managing attorney of the Lonergan Law Firm. We're also fee attorneys for an agency called the T H E Capital Title Company. Um, I've been in, I've been closing transactions and in the title business for a good part of my 30 years. Um, I am a mom to a 21 year old daughter who is my producer over here. Uh, beside me and two cats so today's presentation should not be interpreted as legal tax or accounting advice it's really for information purposes only you should contact your own attorney CPA or business advisor for advice about your real estate business and related transactions so we'll just get started with an overview so these are some. Let's talk about some general basic strategies that uh, we've always had before COVID and during COVID. Um, there are LLCs for owning your properties in. There are series LLCs, which has become very popular in uh, in the last few months during this COVID and quarantine situation regarding protecting individual assets. And then the last strategy. Is land trust. Okay, so we'll start off with LLCs. So, LLCs uh, are, are, that's a short term for a limited liability company. They are um, entities that are formed, formally formed by filing with the Secretary of State. And once they're filed, they become their own separate entity as far as ownership, liability, whatnot. A separate and apart from you. Um, The members, they can be two different type of LLCs. Members are obviously the owners of the company. And then you can also set up an LLC that doesn't show who the members are, but is run by a manager. Or multiple managers um, that is a, that is one way to have some uh, anonymity um, there are benefits of a corporation with an LLC and with a partnership and with a few disadvantages of either entity uh, with few of the disadvantages of either entity so if you set it up correctly there is no personal liability there is no piercing the corporate veil which is what we learn in law school that which means that they cannot get through your LLC to get to you personally Uh, they're very easy to set up like I said you uh, form it at the secretary state level they're easy to modify they're easy to wind up Um, they do require an annual franchise tax return and information report. And let me just tell you, please, please, please pay attention to that. They're due in May of every year. Now, we got an extension this year, I think, to July, but they're due this month for 2020. And if you don't file those documents, even if you're not making any money, and a lot of times when you first set up an LLC, maybe you don't have any income, or you certainly don't have income that justifies a tax, You still have to file those documents or within a few months, the comptroller will notify the Secretary of State and the Secretary of State will forfeit your existence of your company. And it's a shocker to some people, which I've dealt with a couple of clients just in the last two weeks where we got ready to close and we then check their good standing, and they weren't even in existence. So it delayed a closing, delayed each of the closings about a week while we got them back in good standing and in existence. You can title real estate under your entity name rather than your personal name. Um, The transactions with the entity shield you personally, and they're highly recommended for real estate investors. So this is a drawing that one of my uh, junior lawyers at one point did. He's he's very very creative that way. So you've got on the left-hand side your personal assets, and then you've got the LLC, and then for your transactions, then you have a wall as far as the liability stops at the LLC. Okay, so the pros and cons of an LLC it is a business structure that combines pass-through taxation of a partnership or sole proprietorship with the limited liability of a corporation. So you can file, particularly a single-member single-member LLC, can file um, on their tax return a Schedule C on their personal tax return, and all you will get. And if there's multiple members, uh, just like a partnership, you'll receive a K-1 and you'll file that on your personal tax return. Flexibility, under certain circumstances, you can choose to use corporate tax rules instead of being treated as a partnership. You have an option of filing a separate entity corporate tax return, or like I said, just having it pass through like a partnership. It's very well suited for single member owners and pierce, like I just uh, said, piercing the corporate veil is much more difficult. And obviously, whenever if you get sued by one of your tenants, um, someone involved with one of your properties, they are, if, if you, are a, you are, have, have a lot of assets personally, they're gonna try to get to your assets. And so the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna ask for your corporate documentation um, the, it, in a lawsuit they don't have any ability to get it until they see you but once they do sue you they can in discovery request all of those documents and if you're not acting like an LLC you're doing checkbook accounting you're transferring money back and forth they are going to go to the judge and say I should be able to get to Gaylene's assets And like I said, it's filed with the Secretary of State and it's governed by an operating agreement of the company. Now, this is something I see all the time also is people file with the Secretary of State and then they stop. But you're really supposed to have an operating agreement. And when when we get into series LLCs, you'll see why that's extremely important. But if you have multiple members in an LLC, always have an operating agreement. And like I tell my clients, documents are not for the good times when everybody's happy and everybody's making money and everything's good. Documentation is for when things kind of go bad and you have to resort to your documents as far as what your rights are and what the other party's rights are. So always have that. The cons all of the assets of the llc are subject to seizure by judgment and other creditors of the llc regardless of what the nature of the judgment is and that's why we're going to talk about that in when we talk about series llc's because you could have uh, you could be protecting your personal assets but let's say you have 10 properties and one of one of the tenants one of the contractors somebody sues you in connection with one of the properties. If they get a judgment, they can seize all 10 properties, whatever it takes to satisfy their judgment. Uh, There is possible double taxation to business owners. If you do the corporate taxation, then you're gonna pay a corporate tax, you know, corporate income tax, and then everything you take out of it, you're gonna be taxed on personally. Piercing the corporate veil is still possible, although difficult. And it's difficult in certain instances to get certain types of financing. If you are planning on financing all of your properties through conventional 30-year mortgages, then, we need, then you need to talk to your advisor. It's not to say you can't have an LLC and your assets can't ultimately be an LLC, but you will have to own your assets personally when you apply for the mortgage and receive the mortgage they can be transferred to the LLC after that. Now, businesses local, a lot of local uh, banks, smaller community type banks, they are very interested in (laughs) real estate companies. Um, they are not 30 year loans though. They may have a little bit higher interest rate, but I have a lot of clients that they rely on, you know, the smaller community bank and they, They make loans to the LLC all the time. Now you will have to guarantee most, until you're very, the bank is very, very comfortable with you, you'll have to guarantee that financing. And so then this Texas business margin tax is assessed on LLCs, but the threshold is fairly high. You have to have a million, right around a million dollars in gross revenue. And mind you that I'm saying gross revenue. Um, so until you are close to that threshold you won't pay any tax and like I said it requires annual filing with the comptroller and they will shut down your business or you know dissolve your business if you don't do it now these are recommendations pick a name where the first two words don't have a conflict with a currently registered LLC Picking a name is sometimes one of the hardest parts for uh, my clients to set up an LLC. You can have We Buy Houses, House, house Buyer, anything that involves uh, something like that, they've already been taken. And if you choose one that just has one word difference, chances are the Secretary of State will come back and say, no. You have to get the permission of the person who has this name because they're so close. So the more you can pick a unique type name that's unique to you or whatnot, the better. You can't imply a different purpose uh, than what's you can't you can't imply that there's a different purpose than stated in your articles. All the articles I form say it's for any um, legal business a period, so we don't even specify what it is. Determine if you want a management layer. That's fairly highly recommended. Again, it's an asset protection strategy where you have an LLC, then you have a general partner that is a LP or a corporation, and then you are the owner of that corporation. Uh, Determine your banking strategy. You know, the banks, some some banks will want all kinds of documentation, so you need to figure out um, how you're wanting your banking strategy to be. And a registered, you have to, every corporation LLC in Texas has to have a physical business address, not a PO box. So the purpose of a registered agent is to allow people who want to sue you to actually know where to find your company and serve them with process. Okay, so I am a registered agent for a lot of my businesses, and I see the constables and the pro- private process servers quite often. Um, they're there to serve somebody's business. Uh, keep note of your continuing obligations. Don't commingle your funds. Don't commingle your funds. That. That just invites piercing the corporate veil. And keep all copies of amendments and, and motions and consents and what that, keep those all together. Okay, so we're gonna talk about series LLCs now. So just a minute ago, I was saying how if you get sued and you have 10 properties, that judgment creditor, if they win, they have the ability to go after all 10 of your properties which if you're a buy and hold investor, is really not very desirable. I had one of my clients come to me uh, last year and I said, well, how many properties do you have? They said, oh, 120 or something like that. And they had them all in one entity. I said, we need to talk. So (laughs) we spread that out uh, very quickly. Uh, Series LLC is one master entity with multiple buckets underneath is one easy way to describe it. So you set up at the Secretary of State a series LLC. It's the same filing fee as an LLC. They charge $300 for most everything. Um, Then you have to specify that it is a series LLC at the time you form it. Then you can create yourself, self-manage and create sub-series underneath that entity. Um, A lot of my clients name them uh, so-and-so, GRL, LLC-series, 12801 North Central, the the property address or whatnot. Some name them may be CD, some name 1234. But in any event, if you do it correctly, the assets in each series are insulated from the liabilities of the other series. So if you had 10, so with my example, if you had 10 properties, each one of the properties would have a wall between the other property as far as liability is concerned. So if one, one series were to get sued over a property, the other nine were, would not be there for satisfying that liability. Each series can hold title, can create its own contracts. It's just like, a, it's, just like an L, its own LLC. Each series can be sued separately. Um, you can have I don't recommend this but you as long as you set up in the main entity that you form at the Secretary of State then you can have multiple membership interests multiple voting rights and multiple distributions for each bucket for each series underneath the the, what I call the mothership Uh, you self-manage to create and wind up a series uh, you don't have to file anything further at the Secretary of State. You don't have to pay an attorney to do it. You um, you can self-manage and do all your own documentation. Just make sure you keep it together in the s- same place with all your other LLC documentation. And each series can have a separate business purpose. I definitely do not recommend this. I had someone ask me, well, can I do my real, put my real estate assets in... You know, three different series. And then can I put my business in a fourth series? Which legally you can do. But I advise them, no, don't mix your business uh, with these uh, real estate assets. The best use of a series LLC is to be a holding company for real estate. And just let it sit there. And I'm going to explain how you can do that in just a couple of minutes. And complex growth and structuring of your holdings is possible, so you can move assets between series as long as it's all documented and handle your growth um, that way. Here's another picture done by one of my creative uh, associates. Uh, So he's just describing the series LLC at the top. And then you can have separate series. These are numbered one, two, three, four, five. And it's just showing that the liability stays with each individual series. Okay, the risks. Um, Well, they've been around now for, I would say, somewhere between 15 15 to 20 years. I was first getting asked about these uh, right shortly after I formed my company in two thousand by some homevestor clients who wanted to know if I knew how anything about a series LLC. So they were already being formed in Delaware and a couple other states and then Texas ultimately passed them. So they're a little they're untested in that I I I don't think any of the lawyers who do this have seen a case that went all the way up to the appellate level that defined you know what the courts were going to going to allow. So we're just waiting for that. But they're fairly commonplace now. And lenders are very are a lot more comfortable with them now than they used to be. It's easy to commingle funds and lose the protection. Very easy. You have to treat each series underneath the the main series as their own little LLC. You can't mix, you can't move money from one series over to the other uh, without documentation. You can't, you have to treat them just like they're separate. So, um, what you can do though is let's say you have a property that is uh, generating a lot of cash, and you have another property that needs a lot of repair. If you wanted to, you could put those two properties in the same series. And if you did that, then you're not commingling Each asset, they're both assets of the same series and you can use those funds however you want to. You do have some unpredictable results if you do business in states that don't have a series LLC law. You can see the states. Um, they're, they're growing every year. Uh, California doesn't allow a series LLC to be formed, but you can set up a series say in Texas and do business in California and they'll recognize it. Um, the tax consequences, you need to be aware of those because um, some people, uh, some, you need to consult with your CPA. Some CPAs want to file separate tax returns for each series. Others want to just file tax returns. We're talking about federal tax returns for the mother, for the main uh, series. Um, And also the business margin tax threshold, which I told you was a million dollars before you owed any tax. Well, if you have several, you have a lot of properties that could, you know, you just need to be aware that, that you could be close to uh, reaching that. And then transferring assets from one series to another can be seen as commingling. You can possibly do that, but you have to document, 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 which nobody ever wants to do. <laughs> uh, you have to justify uh, making a loan from one series to the other or justify transferring one property to another. So these are uh, do's and don'ts. Do, keep it simple. Like I said, a series LLC is ideal for a buy-and-hold investor to just hold their assets. And I'm going to show you another way. Oh, well, let's go through. So follow the letter of the law. Don't be be creative. Uh, Generally, keep one asset in a series, unless there's a business reason, like I just talked about, to do so otherwise. This is where people uh, rebel maintain separate bank accounts and very rigid accounting that if you have a lot of properties having separate bank accounts for each one is a real pain as most of you would know and but you absolutely have to have separate books for each series I'm going to show you how you don't have to have separate bank accounts for each series and then be clear with your naming and your titling scheme so like I said don't get creative uh, don't do transfers that disregard market value or not at arm's length. Do ha- don't have a series, do business with the state that doesn't recognize series LLCs. And don't hide anything from your creditors. So this is kind of my suggestion for our LLC asset protection. Start with a simple LLC. Transfer your first acquisitions into the simple LLC. Uh, you always have to watch out for the due on sale clause uh, which I hope most of you under- know that is a clause in a deed of trust from your lender that says if you transfer this property without my consent I can call your loan. Um, generally speaking I've never seen a lender call a loan on someone transferring a personal asset into an LLC wholly owned by that person. Uh, this will protect you from any further liability, but not from the original personal guarantee for the financing. Like I said, even if you get bank financing to the LLC, you will have to personally guarantee it. Now, as your business grows, then you can determine how risk tolerant you are. You can either create multiple LLCs for additional properties you acquire, or create an additional, just create a series LLC as a holding company. Some people They just prefer to have them in separate LLCs. You have to pay $300 every time you form an LLC. You have to do separate franchise tax returns. You have to deal with separate uh, federal tax returns. Um, But if you do create an additional series as a holding company, you transfer your assets into each individual series, and then you can use the initial LLC as a management company the one you already formed, you can use it as a management company. So all the assets are held in the series LLC or multiple other LLCs if that's what your risk tolerance is. Then all rental purchase financing or sales contracts are done by the management company, uh, the original LLC. Okay. They're, They're essentially your management company on behalf of your separate series. And then have a management contract with each of the man of the managed entities with the management LLC. Then the management LLC will have the bank account rather than the individual series. The management LLC will have separate books for each one of the series that they manage. They will uh, have the money in their trust account and then they will uh, any distributions they will fund probably to the m- overall LLC. So the overall LLC can have a a bank account and the management company LLC can have a bank account. So this is another picture that uh, my uh, associate drew. So if you you just want, you don't wanna deal with a series, you've got assets in LLC one and then you create a new LLC two. If you want to do a series LLC, then you have a series with a manager you have your individual series underneath in your series LLC. Okay, so let's move on to land trusts. Okay, so what is a land trust? A land trust is can also be called a real estate land trust. It transfers the title to a piece of property from the owner who is the grantor to an appointed trustee who is the who becomes the legal owner of the property. I wanna advise you that if you are doing land trusts, when you transfer property pursuant to a deed, a trust cannot own property, okay? They legally cannot. So any deed of a property into a land trust needs to be to Gaylene Rogers Lonergan trustee for the GRL land trust, trust whatever, not to the land trust itself. A lot of title examiners will make you undo that and redo it if you do it the other way. So upon transfer to a land trust, the owner becomes the trustee, the legal owner. The trustee acts for the interest of the beneficiary who is the equitable owner. And the beneficiary uh, is usually the investor or preferably the investor's LLC or other company. So then at that point, only the trustee can act on behalf of the trust, and the trustee has to execute all documents on behalf of the trust. So set up your LLC as a beneficiary. That will protect your individual assets again. Definitely choose the right trustee. Remember, every time you have a closing uh, with that land trust, that trustee is gonna have to sign the documents. Um, So make sure they're available name your trust very carefully and then they can either be irrevocable or revocable land trusts irrevocable you can't change those uh, why uh, you can't change those while once the beneficiary is no longer uh, in existence revocable you can change that at any time okay so things to consider on land trust They can reduce tax liability again I'm going to refer you to your CPA I'm not a tax attorney my worst class in law school Um, you may have issues with financing now I heard I heard somebody from the last webinar said that they could they did get a loan with a bank in a land trust I've seen that very rarely Um, it does give you anonymity There's nothing filed of record that shows who owns, who who is the beneficial owner of the land trust. Uh, Like I said, title companies in Texas have mixed thoughts on these trusts. I have many an examiner have had many an examiner in the last twenty years who said they're not gonna, they're not even gonna close where a land trust is involved. Luckily, the one I work with is not one of those, but they do have. Often, they're suspicious of them. It does protect you from personal liability. It does possibly prevent exercise of the due on sale clause. A lot of people name their land trust, let's say their name is Jones, then they will just say the land trust is the Jones Family Trust, and uh, thinking that the lender will not realize that you transferred the property. Uh, it does provide protection from property liens and judgments, in certain instances it may minimize the issues regarding probate as far as what you set up in the trust agreement for the transfer of the property upon the death of the beneficiary Um, and i speaking of which i am going to be doing another webinar regarding probate and transfer of property upon death where people don't have wills and whatnot and that is going to be Uh, The first one of those is next Monday, so I would encourage any of you that would be interested to join us for that. And it can can make it easier to transfer property. You just transfer the land trust, uh, rather than deeding over the property. Uh, Bookkeeping can be much more cumbersome though if you have multiple trusts, because you're gonna definitely have to keep separate books for each trust. Okay, so that kind of covers LLC, series LLCs, and land trusts. So let's talk a little bit, just a little bit quickly about uh, COVID, our favorite topic of conversation for the last four or five months. Um, there's a lot of things happening with COVID because of COVID to real estate investors and owners. Obviously, landlords... Have had a lot of financial concerns, particularly at the beginning when everything was shut down. People were losing their homes, people people were losing their jobs, unable to pay rent, and the government, all the way from the local government to the state to the to the federal government, were in, um, enacting restrictions on evicting uh, people from their homes for non-payment of rent. Um, I believe in Dallas County, and anybody in the chat can correct me if I'm wrong, that we had an extension until June 15th um, when there could not be any hearings or filings of evictions before June 15th. But obviously now we have passed that, and I haven't heard of any extension or seen, I've researched it, haven't seen any extension on that. Uh, force majeure has become a uh, new term of art that a lot of people are talk- talking about in leases, particularly. There are provisions that's, that that uh, refer to force majeure, and um, what that means is you cannot enforce um, you cannot enforce certain things uh, if an act of God has happened, and um, Therefore, you're unable to act. Now, the people that are really using the force majeure is the business interruption insurance companies because they are saying, well, there's a provision of force majeure in our policies with you, and we don't have to pay you because of COVID um leases there's provisions in there where either the property owners don't have to do certain things or the tenants don't have to do certain things because of force majeure now the argument is uh is covid for a a situation of force majeure we're going to find out there's going to be a lot of suits lawsuits about that and we'll we'll know what the courts have to say about that at some point but Um, the insurance companies are denying claims right and left because of it. You know, as far as rentals, uh, you guys know the strategies to keep keeping rent coming from your tenants during this situation. Work with them, stay in touch with them, um, you know, encourage them. There's another thing you can encourage them. I've, uh, on the city of Dallas, has a relief fund to uh, provide for individuals to provide money to pay individuals rent and to pay their mortgage. And that's applied through the city of Dallas. So you can encourage them to uh, make that application. Foreclosures, are they or aren't they? Uh, That is a hot topic right now because most of you know that the Dallas County website for foreclosures had a big red line across it that said, all foreclosures are canceled for June, for May, for April. Okay, well, uh, that wasn't necessarily true. Uh, uh, Of course, um, loans that are guaranteed by the government, FHA, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, BA, they do part of the Care Act stopped any foreclosures regarding those type of properties. But if you're not one of those type of you, if you are a, a borrower in, in a property that you have a private loan, you have a hard money loan, you have a conventional loan, that, there is no government restriction from doing foreclosures, even though we were locked down in April and May. Part of March, April and May, that didn't necessarily mean that there was a uh, foreclosures were not allowed. And there's an article, there's a story in the paper uh, last week where a gentleman with a nine million dollar house in Preston Hollow in North Dallas, house got foreclosed in May before the lockdown was even um, stopped there was no one at the foreclosure it was a private lender there was no one at the foreclosure sale the trustee just sold it to the lender and um then they came after him to evict him uh he said of course hey there was there was no we couldn't even go to the sale the website said they're canceled and uh So he's fighting them in court on that right now. I also have experienced in the last two weeks the same situation regarding a June foreclosure of a private lender to a borrower that owned a lot of uh, apartment complexes and had had owed the lender for quite some time. They just went down and foreclosed. But the website, Dallas County website, still said all foreclosures are canceled. So that has opened up a real legal issue as far as foreclosures are uh, allowed or they're not, here in Dallas County anyway. The office and industrial market, I don't really have a lot to say about that. I mean, the protections from eviction are only for residential. The force majeure clauses are there where tenants are trying to get out of their lease or landlords are trying to get out of certain obligations they have so we're going to see how that plays out over the next uh, few months and then the cares act of course that's the big that's the big uh, baby um, the implications for investors in real estate businesses now one thing there's a couple of very uh, uh, positive things that have come out of the CARES Act. Number one, the ability to pull your gov- pull out of your IRA with no penalty and no initially no in no um tax collected when you initially take it out. You have three months to pay back to pay back that and pay your taxes. Um there's also a thing called a solo 401k, which I may be working up a whole presentation about that. But if you are a solo, if you are a solo uh, real estate investor, don't have employees, there's a lot of benefits um, that you can. Um, get out of that as far as investing in your real estate and using the money from your solo 401k, possibly even better than if you're in a self-directed IRA. Um, well, and then of course we got the PPP. I don't know how many of you were able to get a PPP loan, but, um, you know, it's a great situation where if you do get it, you have to, you have to use it for your payroll. Um, at least 60% of it now. And then you can get, if you use at least 60% of it, uh, you can get forgiveness so you don't have to pay it back.
0: All right. Thank you so much for that, Aileen. And we've learned a lot today. So, um, again, this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. And again, Thank you so much, everyone, for this wonderful session. And daily thanks for your time. Everyone have a good day. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.